I wonder uh, what the most important thing in your life is. One of the most important things in my life are my glasses. Without them, I can't see very much. I'm very short-sighted. I certainly can't see enough to drive or to work a computer or to read or, in fact, to function very effectively at all. I always balk at the cost when they need replacing. (laughs) But then I realise, actually, I wear them 16 or 17 hours a day, every day. And I realised, actually, my glasses are one of the most important things in my life. This was brought home to me when I was 14, and I was very short-sighted then as well. And I was on a canal boat holiday with a number of other young people, some adults as well. And uh, one day I was standing on top of the canal boat, uh, making fun of uh, one of the girls in our group. I know you don't think this is possible for such a pure character as myself, but I was doing it, I was making fun of her. And she did a playful kind of swipe like this that caught my glasses and flung them into the canal never to be seen again. And I had to phone home, and my dad had to race up to meet us where we were with our canal boat to bring my spare pair of glasses. And it was really brought home to me how uh, important they are, what such an important part of my life they are, because without them, I'm really stuffed. I, I just cannot function. Now, I wonder if I said to you now, and I'm going to say this to you, think of the most important thing in your life. What is the most important thing in your life? Think of it right now what you have in your minds. Some of you might be thinking of your children or your partner. Some of you might be thinking of your job or your career. Some of you might be thinking of your television, if you've got a really funky one, or your Wii or your PlayStation or even your car or your house. Some of you, because you're very Christian, are thinking that, of course, it's God. And you're thinking that God is the most important thing in my life. And you're having a very holy moment right now as you recognize that. And, of course, that's good. You say, God is the most important thing in my life and everything else is secondary. So I wonder what you're thinking of now. Partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, children, parents, house, car, PlayStation, career or God. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that all of those are wrong. All of those are wrong. None of those should be the most important thing in your life. It's not enough to say that God is the most important thing in your life. One day Jesus was asked this very question. What should be the most important thing in the lives of his followers? And he replied this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind and your strength, and love your neighbour as yourself. It is not enough to say that God is the most important thing in our lives. If it was, Jesus would have stopped after the first part of the sentence. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your strength. But he doesn't. He includes an and. And... Love your neighbour as yourself. What Jesus is saying is that the most important thing in our lives should be God and his cause. God and his cause. His cause to show his love alongside loving God should be the most important thing in our lives. Now, I'm not saying for one moment that family, children, friends, career aren't important. I'm not for one moment suggesting that we have an excuse to neglect those things if we're engaged in loving God and his cause. But the most important thing, the most important thing in our lives, according to Jesus, should be God and his cause. It should be the most important thing for us as individuals. It should be the most important thing for us as a church. That's why our mission statement that we've already heard this morning, the sentence that describes what we're all about at East Hampstead Baptist Church says this, that we exist to love God 
to love others or love people and grow together to become more like Jesus. To love God, to love people and grow together to become more like Jesus. That is the race that is marked out for us. That is our cause. And it is the cause that God himself has laid before us. This is the race that is marked out with us. And as the writer to the Hebrews says, we should run it with perseverance. And together we have determined how that cause might work itself out. What God is calling us to do to advance his cause here on the south side of Bracknell and across the world. And I can confidently say that we know what God is calling us to do. And I can say that because we have spent time discerning it together. Last January and February, we met, we talked, we prayed, we looked at the Bible, we discussed and we debated, and we agreed together on what God was calling us to do. We know the cause that he is calling us to here in this place. The the cause that God has called us to is to love God, love people, and grow together to be more like Jesus. And as we do that, it is to build the kind of church that we read about in Acts chapter 2. And this is the passage that we spent time last January and February going through together. And it says this, and this is about one of the first New Testament churches. It says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And when Steph reviewed for us what we as a church had been used by God to do in 2008, I hope you saw resonances of that passage. When it says they gave away their possessions to anyone as they had need, that is storehouse. That's what we do. When it says here that people were added to their number as they were saved, when we have baptisms or our church grows, that is what's going on. We are living out what the New Testament church in Jerusalem we're living out. When we meet together and praise and worship God together, that is what we're doing. When we provide places like Refresh, our coffee shop, and Reverb and Club Unity for young people and Remix for children, we are providing places for people to meet together and to eat together with glad and sincere hearts. We are living out in 21st century Bracknell what they were living out in 1st century Jerusalem. Do you see that? Do you see the resonances? of what they were doing in what God is using us to do. The cause that God has given to us is to grow as a community, to grow as we communicate relevantly the love of God to those who don't yet know it, to grow in our caring for one another, caring for our community and our world, to grow as we celebrate together all that God is doing and grow as we commit ourselves more and more to God and to living for him and for this church family. That is the race that is marked out for us. That is the racetrack that God has given to us to run on. 
And we can celebrate all that God has done in 2008 as we have run that race together. And our church is growing. We have now, the last two or three weeks, broken through the 200 barrier of people attending on a Sunday morning. We have over 200 people the last two Sundays at our three different Sunday services. We have together grown to over 300 people attending at least once a month with us. Our church is growing all the time as new people join us and as we run the race that God has marked out for us. So we can celebrate what has happened in 2008. And now we look to what God might do in 2009 as we run the race. To help us build community, we believe that God is calling us to increase the effectiveness of our small groups. We want to implement a strategy that we have worked on with our small group leaders and allow our small groups to become more relevant to people's lives. When we did our Natural Church Development Health Survey in 2008 together, looking at the health of our church, it was clear that our small groups needed some attention. And therefore, we've developed a strategy to help with that. Part of that strategy is to help our small groups be free to choose their own material and their own purposes and their own emphasis. We intend to publish that information as it's worked on for each small group. And then at Easter, declare a small group amnesty. So people can go to whichever small group fits them. And if you are not a part of a small group yet, you need to be in one for this church to be most effective in your life. You need to be in one so you can explore the Bible in more detail, so you can debate together the things that we talk about, so that you can ask your questions. You need to be in a small group so you can be cared for and care for other people. And you need to be in a small group so you can experience the power of God in a more intimate setting. Small groups are key to who we are and what God is calling us to do. If you're not yet part of one, speak to Steph, who leads this area of our church's life, and she can point you to the right small group. In the area of communication, we're going to try and increase the way we communicate the love of God to people. We're going to try and increase the number of schools that we go in to do school assemblies. And by the end of this year, we want to have completed three Alpha courses that communicate clearly and relevantly who is God and what does this mean. And you know already we have three underway. And I say again, if you want to be a part of an Alpha course, it's not too late. You can be part of one starting tomorrow evening. Just be here at 7 o'clock. Clusters are another important thing for us in 2009 as we seek to build friendships and communicate the love of God to people. We're starting these social clusters. I hope you know about this by now. Clusters of people gathered around a common interest socially to go out and meet and do things and it helps us build community together but it also helps us communicate the love of God as we encourage other people to come and to be a part of those clusters who aren't yet part of our church. So we have two or three running already. We have the cinema and curry cluster, which is mine, which is great. And uh, we have a sports cluster that people like to go and watch sports events. And we know that there are others in the pipeline. Others that perhaps a bit more... What's the right word? Esoteric. Esoteric, is that right? <laughs> Excellent. So there are other clusters coming down the pipeline as well. Watch out for those. And invite your friends to come with you. We are also keen to encourage one another all the time to extend invitations to people who are not yet part of our church community. And we are keen together to do more of our community action projects in 2009 to communicate the love of God to people. It looks likely that we'll have a Hope 2009, a cut-down version, 
where we'll join with other churches again to do some social action projects as we build towards Hope 2010, which will be a much larger event like Hope 2008 was. We're going to do some community action projects together as a church, all under the heading of our Communicate C. In the area of caring, this year we want to focus on our work overseas. We're going to send a team of people overseas to help those in need. And Steph will be leading that team. And if you're keen to be a part of that later on this year, again, you should speak to her after the service today. It's a fantastic opportunity to be stretched and challenged, and the church is half funding that. We also want to review how and who we support with our world mission resources. And we intend to carry out that review in 2009 so that we can increase our effectiveness and enable more of us to be involved and to care for those in need in different cultures. We know that this is a great way for our own faith to be stretched and challenged as a way of caring for other, and as, and as well as caring for other people. In the area of celebrating this year, we're going to place more emphasis on what we do in our Sunday services. We realise that much of 2008 was about preparing practically for the challenges of our Sunday service structure. And now we, do, now we can do that. We want to make sure our services are effective and helping people and attracting new people. So we're going to be looking at those together in 2009. So those are the key things for four of our five C's. The things that we sense... God calling us to in 2009. Small groups, social clusters, alpha courses, community action projects, overseas work, Sunday services. These are the key things. But you know, if we're honest, those things are actually quite straightforward. We can do those things. If we apply some thinking and some focus and some money, we can do those things. But there is one last C, and this is where it gets really interesting. As we have sensed God calling us to take some steps of faith, to step out and do some things that we can't do in our own strength and that only God can do. And we've been praying together about what we might do and we've been talking about it in our church meetings. And we have sensed God calling us to step out in faith to see more of his power at work in our lives. Our encounter series that we're in the middle of right now on our growth Sundays is our first opportunity to teach and see God more at work. And I hope you've noticed by now that our Sunday morning services have more response times built into them so that we can respond and allow the power of God to be at work amongst us so that we can go deeper with him. So that's the first of the challenges of our steps of faith. We have also sensed God calling us to step out in faith and take a look at this building and the possibilities of extending it to provide more space for a Sunday and a permanent storehouse facility, so that storehouse can happen all the year around, not just twice a year, and we can care for many more people. And we've agreed together to do a feasibility study with the architects Allen Associates to look at the possibilities and costs for extending this building. Now, this is really tremendously exciting. We have no idea about what is even possible or what God might do, but it is all on God. And we're waiting to see what he will reveal to us. We have sensed God calling us to step out in faith and take a look at appointing some more staff so the work that we can do can grow and increase. We're talking about possibly appointing a children's worker. We're looking at the possibilities of extending Steph's time so she works for us full time so that she can oversee our world mission as well as the other things that she does. And we're wondering and looking together at the possible appointment of an older person's worker to grow our work amongst older people. 
Now, as I stand before you today, I have no idea how we'll do those things. We don't have the money to do them. When I think about it, it takes me right out of my comfort zone. I'm the kind of leader who likes to have everything wrapped up, who likes to have a strategy for everything. And depending on God, takes me out of where I'm comfortable. But I think that this is precisely where God wants me, and I think it is precisely where God wants us. Because this is where he can work, and only he can work. I feel weak when I think about these things. I want to stand before you feeling strong. I want to stand before you and be the strong leader who says, this is how we do it. It makes me uncomfortable to stand before you in weakness. But in the Bible, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. If we want to see God's power at work, we have to make ourselves weak and go to places where things don't depend on our strength and our ability, the places where we feel weak so God can work in power. So that brings me to our final C, commitment. And this year we need to work together on this C. When an athlete runs a race, it is usually a solo activity in the lane, the one lane that has been marked out for them. The only race where athletes really work together is a relay race. And they use one of these. It's a relay baton. And they pass one from one to another. The race that we hear about in Hebrews, that we need to run with perseverance, is a team race, not a solo activity. And that means we need to commit together to what God is doing here. We need to commit to doing what God is calling us to do. We need to commit to pray passionately and earnestly about the steps of faith and about what God is calling us to as a church. And Jackie Charles, who leads our prayer ministry across the church, has kindly set up two prayer meetings where we can get together to pray about the steps of faith that God is calling us to. And the first one is this week on January the 27th, and the second is on the 2nd of March. And there are leaflets out on the table which have those prayer dates on them, and you can take them away with you today to remind you. We can commit to praying passionately and earnestly about what God is calling us to do. We need to commit to serving graciously together in all the different parts of the church's life. And we need to commit to giving generously with our finances. I think most of, of us, and I include myself, give what we can afford without a great deal of sacrifice. I think a lot of us do that, myself included. Where is God in that? How can God move in power in our lives if that's what we're doing? This has come home so much to me in the last few months with things I've been reading and discussions I've been having. That so often I do what I can do in my own strength, not in God's. So as a family, we have increased our personal giving to a level where we can't afford to do it without God doing something and without us making sacrifices. And that gives God an opportunity to do something amazing. And when he provides, we can give him the glory. Only he can do that. It's really interesting as we've committed to do that 
I've had a conversation with the tax office in the last few weeks and my tax code is wrong and it's going to come down. So our income is going to go up. It's really interesting, isn't it? As we have stepped out in faith, God is providing from the inland revenue of all places. I wonder if you would join me in stepping out with your finances. I wonder if you'd join me in doing that because as we do that, God can do so much more. It's a fact of life, and we don't like talking about money, but it's a fact of life. Stuff costs money. And the more money we have, the more we can do. It's simple. Jesus said that there was nothing more important than God and his cause, than running the race marked out for us with perseverance. And this is our race. This is the race that God has called us to run with perseverance. This is the race that God has marked out in front of us. Will you run it with me? Will you take hold of the baton and run it with me? So that we can run it as a team, not as a solo activity. Because this race that God has called us to is not for one person. It's not even for a leadership team. It's for 300 people to commit to together. That is the race that God has called us to. That is the race that God has marked out for us. Will you pick up the baton and step out in faith? For God's grace is sufficient for us and his power is made perfect in our weakness. Let us run the race marked out for us with perseverance, with commitment and with passion. We have the enormous privilege of partnering with God to do incredible things, and all the glory goes to him. But what an amazing adventure for us to be on. What an amazing opportunity to spend our lives on God and on his cause. Let's not miss it. Shall we pray? Father God, we are humbled that you would call us to run this race that you would so clearly lay out for us the race you have marked out for us. And then you would ask us to run it with you. We thank you so much that your grace is sufficient for us and your power is made perfect in our weakness because we confess we feel weak when we think about the things you're calling us to. But Lord God, we trust that you'll work in them and that all the glory goes to you. And now I want to pray... Father God, that you would challenge us in our hearts through the power of your Spirit to commit ourselves to running this race. If you're ready to commit yourself to running this race for another year, and many of you have run it flat out and passionately in 2008, and I am so thankful for that, and God is so thankful for that. But if you're ready to commit yourself to running again, running the next lap of the race in 2009. Would you just stand up right now and I'm going to pray. If you're ready to commit yourself to running this race, just stand up now. Father God, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters in you. And it just, it moves me to have the opportunity to run the race with these people. And it just blows me away that you would call us to this place as a team to do this together. And so, Father God, I pray now that you would just pour out your spirit of power upon us.
as we commit ourselves to running the race for you. And we say, God, it's all about you. It's all about your glory in this place. It's not about us. It's all about loving you with all of our hearts. It's all about loving people. And it's all about growing together to be more like you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Amen.